As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. Right. Welcome, everyone. It's another episode of Burn and Return. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor. Martin, today we are coming at you, not live. Uh, we're actually recording it live, but we are not coming at you live unless unless you're one of the patron members. Uh, and we're going to be talking about, you know, some of the things that are going on in the world. I will say, I will say that uh, this week, uh, I feel like Maybe it's because I was a bit more detached, but I, f- I felt like the, the news um, was not quite as in your face this week. I don't know. Was that was that a me thing or is that is that reality? Because it was strange. It's like, you know, they had the Super Bowl parade. There was a shooting there. And typically when there's a mass shooting like that, you know, when, oh, I don't know, 21 people catch bullets or whatever. Uh, that dominates the headlines and is up your ass so aggressively that you don't shit for a week and uh and I, I don't know it was all it was all kind of uh that went away quick um i didn't hear a whole lot about about us you know raining uh hellfire missiles on iranian back militia groups and or so i don't know i felt i felt like news news wise on the geopolitical scale aside from the uh what's his name the the russian dude getting murked in prison but i mean is anybody <laughs> surprised right like oh another russian dude got killed in prison i'm fucking shocked man wow oh yeah surprise surprise i mean (laughs) if you didn't see that one coming (laughs) i know i know i'm like why does that even make in the news like does it is that is it that important i mean that's a given right oh okay okay all right Anyway, I mean, jpeg just to make a valid valid point here in the background you guys can't hear this i can I, I we communicate telepathically, but he mm-hmm. did mention that part of the reason that maybe the headlines weren't so salacious or busy or nonstop was that people were just busy fucking this week. A lot of fucking. It is true. It was. It was I Valentine's hope so. Day. I hope everyone had a had a great Valentine's Day. There's had a good shag. <laughs> no babies all <laughs> over the place, all over the walls, uh, mirrors, paintings. Just I couldn't hit the floor if I came straight down. <laughs> yeah. Just all of it is just covered in a layer of human degrading filth. Uh, it's not. It's not filth, and it's not degrading, call it the, Matt. Call sorry, it the no, Zucal I mean that. There. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, we we shouldn't think of that as being dirty or wrong. I mean, that's that's not correct. I don't know. Spraying it all over the walls. That it could be. That could be a little way unsanitary. I mean, I'll 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 be honest. Yeah, uh, Peter North. Yeah, that, we're looking that could at you. Be a bit, <laughs> yeah, that could be a bit much. I mean, uh, yeah, that stuff is hard to get off of wallpaper. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, honey, the steamer is not working. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, out, outside of that, you know, there there are a couple things. I, I will say that if anybody's paying attention to the ag uh, commodity sector, and we're not going to cover a whole lot of that today, and so that's why I'm just going to go ahead and bring it up. Uh, ag commodities from a crop side of things, uh, so, you know, your soybean, corn, all that. Uh, boy, those prices have plummeted. Uh, so let's let's hope our farmers are not holding on to just mountains of debt right now uh, in their uh, uh, COVID expansion plans that that everyone got to got to take on and uh, take on the notes with uh, because boy, soybeans are way down, corn is way down. There's no more good news coming out about it. All the news that continues to come out is bullet is uh, bearish and uh, and yeah, it's. <laughs> Looks like looks like all all those all those high prices they they got to they got to make in the in the previous couple of years boy they're going to have to pay all that back right now and uh, and so that means really moving into next year as well too they'll be paying that back so like I said you know hopefully hopefully they're not carrying too much of a of a debt burden but I mean if we if we let our country guide us as a whole it seems like carrying debt right now is uh it, none of it fucking matters I mean let, let's just be honest I mean we're what thirty four trillion dollars in debt and we're not broke yet so. It's just paper. Yeah. It's not real. It's just a number on a monitor. You just act. Yeah. Yeah. Even when it says zero, that doesn't mean zero. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Keep on printing money, Matt, because, uh, you know, that's the interesting thing. Where do you get money printers? Can you get one on eBay? No. But but you know what the worst part is, is that why is it, Matt, that if all of us here on this panel and all of us in the audience if we run our bank account to zero, everything gets shut off. Why is it that the government can run past zero and everything is A-OK? Well, what is up know, with that? Uh, debt to GDP yeah, ratio what, and all that. It's all, it's all, uh, according to driver, it's that? all fake anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You know, what, what was it I heard the other day? Two thirds of our budget, you know, is uh, is uh, accounted for by uh, by by uh, positive numbers. And then one third of it is just is guaranteed to be borrowed. And uh, and that anything beyond that one third. So that's just our budget. Right. So anything that happens that's not part of the budget is just continued mm-hmm. to being printed. So we print one third of our budget as it is. And uh, and it just it keeps going from there. That makes me feel awesome. By the way, speaking of feeling awesome, let's check out what's in this week's headlines. I'm sure it's going to be very redeeming. It's full of joy today. I might might have to paint my walls tonight, honey. <laughs> Put the sheets up over the walls. Uh, number one here that we're going to talk about is the EU commission is set to scrap a plan to have pesticide use after the farmers protest. Interesting. So last week we were talking about the farmers protest and, uh, in people in France were not happy. In fact, no one across the EU right now is happy, uh, related to the, uh, uh, I, you know, the, the WEF and all these, all these plans that they had, you know, for, uh, reigning in in out of control agriculture which is i think one of the headlines i read uh and uh, so as a result of that uh european commission president ursula von der Leyen uh on tuesday proposed withdrawing the eu's plan to have the use of pesticides called a symbol of polarization as regional farmers protested over rising costs and other factors 
Our farmers deserve to be listened to. I know that they're worried about the future of agriculture and their future as farmers, but they also have to know that agriculture needs to move to a more sustainable model of production so that their farms can remain profitable for in the years to come. Uh, European farmers ah, have protested in recent right, weeks against right rising stop costs. Stop right there, man. Yeah, stop right there, Matt, because sustainable and profitable, I think people need to be careful about the definitions because sustainable is not necessarily profitable because time and time again, sustainability means giving up a lot and also means giving up productivity. So therefore, uh, I'd like to still know what do these people actually eat? You know, these people that promote all of these mandates and initiatives that basically shut down productive agriculture as we know it. I still want to know what the hell do they eat? Actually, I almost had a four letter word I was going to say there, and it sounds like dick, uh, but I didn't say it. Um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, but I was just I was thinking it right. And I was like, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, not I, yet. I, I mean, not yet. you know, in the, and I think like one of the frustrations that you see out of Europe and we I don't know if anyone saw the headline this week and it's it's it, it, it came from the EWG. So I don't even want to talk about it on the show, but it was another pesticide. Is, has shown mm-hmm. up in grain in the U.S. And it is a yeah. pesticide that has been banned in the U.S. for a long period of time. And they're like, it's been banned here. Why is it in 80% of sampled urine cases and 90% of the grain we sample? Oh, because we're importing the grain from countries that are still able to use it because the cost of importing the grain is cheaper than it is to be able to grow it here, right? So exactly mm-hmm. like you said, Ray, sustainable doesn't always mean profitable. But here's the thing is that I don't think there's any farmer out there like legitimately. There is no farmer out there rubbing his hands together and is like, I want to find the nastiest fucking pesticides I possibly can and shoot the shit everywhere I can. Yeah. No one thinks Everyone is so scared about every dollar they have coming out of their sprayer or out of their spreader. That they're going to be exceptionally mindful of what they're doing. And uh, it's so, it, anyway, yes, mistakes get made, and there does need to be a concerted effort to try and minimize the number of mistakes and mitigate the amount of damage that does occur from said mistakes. However, I, again, I just can't help but feel like the insanity of our, our news cycle creates this narrative, right? And the, and, and the narrative is to invoke so much emotion that every response has to be as hyperbolic as possible. We need the most antithetical extremes only to be printed in the news. Only. Yeah. Wild yeah. ass extremes, right? Farmers mm-hmm. are poisoning you and your children and you're all going to fucking die. And then on the, yep. on the other end, you know, is like, uh, 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 you know, uh, farmers are saying, you know, they uh, they want they want to. What was it that Joe Biden said? They want to put you back in chains. You know, I think it's in long along that same line. Um, they want to put you back Joe in Biden chains. Although, it, yeah, how? Yeah, that was. However, Matt, the reality man, hyperbolic is, is just that, fucking extremism, man. It's crazy. However, the truth is, and this is the actual truth, is that 
in order for these utopian mandates to succeed, here's the reality. How many of us are going to have to starve to death or go without in order for these mandates to actually be practical? How many of us? we we do have you know a new technology that's coming up later uh, that that we can talk about, and I think I think these are the types of technological developments that have to happen, so we can say that yeah, I do see a clear path here where you know twenty percent of the population is going to have to fucking starve to death to make it reality. Mm-hmm. But then what are you Matt, say to me? the other oh, go ahead, what, go wait, ahead, Ray. You go first. The other, my, the other problem is is that the mandates are getting pushed. And pushed hard without the technology to make the old obsolete. Because you see, Matt, me coming from the old days, right? Uh, I can see where there are some things where I always tell you guys, man, I am so thankful we don't really fuck around with that stuff anymore because that stuff was horrible. I mean, I say that all the time. And I don't know any grower that, that, as you said, that's rubbing his hands together and saying, man, I want to use the craziest shit on this field that I can possibly get my hands on, and I want to use it at double the label rate. I don't know of any grower that wants to do that anywhere in the world. Because that grower is thinking darn well, first of all, to do that is going to cost him money. And second of all, I'm sure he's thinking, looking at the skull and the crossbones on his bottle, man, I I take my life in my own hands every time I touch this stuff. So this narrative on the media that paints these farmers and producers as people that don't care you know, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> Talk to me. I, 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 <laughs> a little bit in the same vein as what Ray is saying. I wonder if what you both just said is true on both accounts. And what I mean by that is this, is that the the narrative that, again, it is the farmers, the growers, the turf managers, whoever, right, that are the ones who are... Uh, you know, pillaging the environment by using the most lethal and toxic substances that they possibly can and putting them down in vast amounts at high frequency just to achieve <laughs> some whatever superficial goal that they want to achieve. And again, we know that's not true. Okay. And if you look at how this uh, headline is written, right, they basically say that, well, it's the farmers' protests that have done this. And if you look at that, they're using, they're basically using the farmers, right? And so, well, you know, they bitched too much, so we had to relent. But I wonder if what Matt said is true and what Ray said too. I wonder if it is that the data has been presented in such a way that people realize that, hey, yeah, you, you can't just, you know, turn the valve and shut this all off and everything's fine, right? That does, that <laughs> simply doesn't exist. It's a fantasy land. So, Again, I think that maybe that's what's happening. I hope that's what's happening is that people are realizing that, ooh, and maybe we ought to punt the brakes on this a little bit. And as we've talked yeah. about numerous times on the show, maybe we should be looking at more of the technological advances first before 
you know, we, we take this drastic uh, measures. Okay. So it's just really interesting to me. What struck me about before we even read the first word in the article itself was that it still makes the farmers look bad. Well, Hey, again, it w- because you guys are bitching, we'll, we'll, we'll let you we'll let it ride this time. You know, and that's not the case. I think everybody is saying that if you take a pragmatic approach to this, people are going mm-hmm. to get hurt from this and not just economically, right? But from a sustainability standpoint of you need to sustain a population, right? And here's where we are, right? We're not going to be able to do that if you take these tools out of our hands. So I'm sure that some environmentalists will come on here and say that, well, Ryan, you're just, you know, um, sitting up here and you're advocating for the industry and, you know, agrochemical producers and things of that nature. But fact of the matter is, is we all got to work together. Like it or not, yeah. we all work together. And it will, and there will never, I'm going to say never, never mm-hmm. say never, never be a day where there's not some type of pesticide used on a crop that we use to sustain daily life. How about that? Okay. They'll come, back, they'll come back Ryan. in 2824 20, and be like, well, see, you <laughs> may, you fucked up. We got you, bitch. Okay. You remember that asshole okay. on YouTube? What a piece of shit. Or, or, or what will happen is, what if we find brave. Th- that, hey, some of the stuff, because it works, it just works, period. And the costs or downsides don't outweigh the benefits that we still have to do this because you know what the most interesting case to me is? The case of something that was discovered in the early 1800s that they're still using tons of that to this day. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about copper. No, copper. I, no. Yeah, I copper. Gonna say sperm, copper. You're going to say spermicidal Spermic- lube. Spermicidal <laughs> lube, but yeah. But then, where's the organic? Wait, copper. where can I get the organic spermicidal lube? When's that coming? Huh? Where are we at on that environmentalist? Hmm, yeah, where are we at? But then, the the whole issue here is that they can't find it. The people that are anti-modern agriculture, I don't see them coming up with solutions such that a significant portion of the population will not have to be unalive. I don't see them. I don't see those solutions because you see these utopians promise, yes, we'll get rid of the pesticides, we'll get rid of the fertilizers. And once we do that, the world will be wonderful again. But what these guys are not telling you is Crop yields will go down, and there will be pestilence and filth. Okay? That's what the utopians don't tell us. I mean, they don't tell us it because I I also think back to this non-ag-related situation that has resulted in people dying, and the environmentalists, they specifically petitioned countries in Africa and Asia to stop using DDT for malaria mos- mosquitoes. And the places that stopped doing that, guess what happened to the people in those countries? 
Those people hey. had to deal had to deal with malaria. And that is an example of okay, there's less DDT used, but who I think didn't they also give them hydroxychloroquine like a little bit after that too? No. Can I even say no, that and, word and on if, air? No, I don't Matt, even know here's the thing about anymore. hydroxychloroquine. The problem with malaria in a lot of these countries is that the malaria parasite in those countries is resistant to hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't even work on it anymore. So you take away DDT. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't work anymore. And so this is just a spiral of death that was created by some very well-meaning people, I'm sure. I don't think that they're malevolent or evil, but Unless, saw, unless we're talking about Klaus Schwab, I don't care who you are. That guy's an X-Men character, and he 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 gives me the holy hell of heebie-jeebies of holy okay, heebie-jeebies. He, he gives me the yikes too, Mac. He gives me the yikes too, but then what I'm saying is that, okay, these people meant well, but then their mandate caused a problem. And you know these people that come up with these mandates? I have yet to see one come back and admit, oh, God, we screwed up. I mean, we, we meant well, we thought we were good, doing good, but look at all these people dying. Man, did we fuck up. I've never heard one of these environmentalists come back and admit it. No, uh, and I'm sure they would turn that into some way of, you know, improper implementation. And, you know, you killed yourselves, dumbasses. Stop, stop mm-hmm. doing your own research. Uh, good, good news. And this is, and this is like, these are, these are these types of developments that have to happen to give uh, clear paths towards um, uh, changes in, uh, in modern ag, right? So here we have a company Time's up, it's over. Uh, called Arable Lab that has developed a bio-based broad-spectrum herbicide uh, that is developed from uh, soybeans. And this company has a ton of soy-based products. Uh, they're doing soy-based plastics, uh, high melt point waxes, uh, all kinds of stuff. But they have they have started the EPA paperwork on this. And I will say that there are <laughs> There are several companies in this vein that I am aware of that are uh, that are doing this type of research, and especially now with the number of databases that occur, um, and and of course with you know language learning models, uh, the ability to start parsing through a lot of these to uh, to develop them. There should be theoretically there should be a a pretty rapid increase in the rate of development. I, you know, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. This is going to be another burn down product, right? So, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to do burn downs and there's, you know, you can use, you know, fatty acids and all kinds of stuff to do, uh, to do burn down. So, you know, it might not be just, you know, the most world changing thing, but again, if it's an opportunity from, for you to get away from Daquat and move to something like this and still have the same degree of burn down, right? That would be a net positive. Okay. Um, if it's something that you can take mixed with glyphosate, that would be a net positive, right? Um, I, I promise no one out there is fawning to to have more and more and more diquat at their disposal to use or paraquat, right? Like, oh my gosh! No one, no. no one is out there just begging. Please, God, sign me up to spray the diquat today. 
Uh, so, you oh, know, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of this and I love that, you know, they, they have mm-hmm. been able to get to this point where they can uh, already start to petition the EPA. Again, this is going to be a four to $12 million investment just to get through the EPA side of testing. Um, and then you have commercialization. So all said and done, you know, this could be 25 you know, million dollars just to get to commercialization. That doesn't even include, you know, the building and the manufacturing facility, the scaling of the manufacturing process. Um, I, uh, so all said and done, this may be a quarter of a billion dollars for this one product to, to go from uh, lab scale to market, right? And that's, that's intense. A lot of money. That's huge. So hopefully it works well. But that's huge because uh, are there any toxicity or hazard red flags on this uh, new technology? Because I know for a lot of the old standards, uh, most of which I'm familiar with, there has, there has been a known toxicity issue, both human and uh, environmental toxicity. So. And I'm suspecting that that being that this is plant-based, EPA, barring any kind of unusual toxicity hazards, the positive may be that this gets fast-tracked because it doesn't raise the red flags. Because, for example, if it's not a carcinogen, if it does not cause organ damage at low doses, if it's not environmentally persistent, that basically passes the things that would hold back a product. Because I'm suspecting that given the EPA's registration and re-registration process, anything that meets those uh, red flags and it's toxic or environmentally persistent we ain't gonna have them and if they're already on the market they're going away that's just reality (laughs) yep uh also in this vein we have fmc who is releasing a new insecticide everyone drum roll we've got a big one coming up right now this is going to be called dorentis and we're going to look at the label real quick and it's oh chlorine it's double uh, concentrate chlorantranilipril. Nothing new. Yeah, so we got we got <laughs> we got another okay. I was I was hoping for for new technology. It's not. It's a relabel, but higher concentration so that means uh you, lower you, prices. Your, your cost per acre is probably going down. Right? Maybe your cost per yeah. acquisition goes up but your cost per acre goes down, which, you know, hey. Hey, for you. I was talking getting with, it down cheaper. I was talking Yeah, I was talking with a pro applicator on the Discord about Durantis, and if he can get Durantis, his application cost per acre for grub control, season-long grub control, is cut by half versus using the brand name of Celebrin. See that? That's a net win, <laughs> uh, you know. And a- you know, hey, look, if they're not going to give us new technology, at least give us a way to save fifty percent on cost. You know, I can't, I can't be mad at that. Um, yeah. Let's check out this week's burns. <laughs> Did I do that out of order? Where am I? Uh, I did. I did. I did that out of order. You did, but we're good. I, we're we'll good. make it go work. For it. 
Okay. All right. All right. Here. We'll, we'll do let's this. Burn. We'll do this. Let's burn. Um, let's, 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 get, let's get a little toasty here. Park Commission still has a plan for herbicides in Lake George. If anybody remembers this, uh, this is our Asian oh, shit. Uh, here. Asian oh, milk oil. This steak. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, any anyway, uh, it it turns out that they are not done. Uh, what what is what is the name of the the herbicide that they're they're looking at using here? Pro uh, Pro Procellus. Yeah, Procellacor. Buddy, it, it we we're not dead yet. We are still fighting this fight. We are in it, and <laughs> and damn it, we are going to give it all that we have. Uh, hearing on their appeal of that decision is set for March. Any decision that comes from that will likely be announced in May. As you know, the commission is waiting for an appellate decision regarding the APS permitting of Lake George's Priscilla Corps. Dave Wick, executive director of the Lake uh, George Park Commission, wrote the statement. Nothing has changed the commission's stance regarding our intent to utilize Priscilla Corps in the two bays that we had approval for two years ago. The plan uh, has been to use the herbicide in Blair's Bay and Sheep Meadow Bay along the eastern shore of the lake's northern basin. Uh, the Lake George Association and Lake George Waterkeeper challenge herbicide use remain skeptical, however. The Lake George Association and Lake George Waterkeeper steadfastly oppose this plan, and we will use the full power of our resource to prevent this herbicide from entering Lake <laughs> George. Uh, anyway, Euro Asian MILF oil is uh, is is spreading like wildfire, and uh, and everyone does not know what to do about it. Um, sorry, I'm not I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but anyway, it is it is not dead. It is not dead. They are still fighting it, and they are uh, damn it. They want to do something about it, and they had approval to use it in two places. And and boy, these guys are real triggered about them using it in those two uh, approved places. So. Again, it's it continues to linger, and we'll 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 watch what happens. How are people <laughs> so afraid of Asian milfoil? No, why are, um, why are these people so afraid of something that has minimal toxicity compared to the old standards for aquatic weed control? Because I, I, you know, I think uh, I could see them. No. I could see them getting sketchy if, say, the proposal was. Let's drop Diquat, 2,4-D, Acrolean, or Endothol into Lake George. Then I could see concern. (laughs) If they're not getting excited about tackling Asian MILFs, then clearly they don't get erections anymore, right? Uh, EPA issues (laughs) existing stocks order for dicamba. Uh, Cotton and soybean farmers can still use extended mass. And and let me kind of loop this together here where I'm going to bring two of them in, right? Uh, so the U.S. court banned three willow kill, uh, weed killers and found the EPA broke the law in the approval process, right? So the whole thing is that, like, all right, Dicamba, Extendamax, uh, Ingenia, Tavium, uh, we're, y'all got to get the fuck out. Y'all are done. We're getting rid of you. The EPA done fucked up allowing you to do this. You didn't listen to enough people. There's been enough crop damage to occur. You're done. Dunzo over. Uh, so now, you know, it's trying to figure out. It's like, well. We still have manufactured stock. Do we make the manufacturers just eat it and move on, or uh, or are they allowed to go ahead and at least use up existing stocks? And it turned out that they said, yeah, you can go ahead and use up ex- existing stocks, and you have to end date. Uh, you have an end date for sale and distribution um, in uh, Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana. You got May thirteenth uh, for Extendamax and Jenny and Tavium, uh, and then for use is June thirteenth, and no one is going beyond July thirtieth, and that is going to be. Uh, in cotton june 30th and soybean and uh and so anyway basically summer of this year it's done it's gone thank you 
Uh, now, you know, they're, they're stroking off the EPA as if, you know, they're just God's gift to earth. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they're just <laughs> deserve every moment of it. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, they, uh, yeah, so it's, it's over. Uh, thank you. Thank you for playing along. Thank you for coming. Uh, it's, it's done. I was going to read this real quick from the guardian real quick. Um, oh boy. Oh, uh, oh man! Uh, dealing oh, a man. blow to three of the world's biggest agrochemicals, a U.S. court this week banned three weed killers widely used in American agriculture. Finding the Environmental Protection Agency broke the law in allowing them to be on the market. I'll go down here a little bit. A uh, federal judge in Arizona ruled Monday that the EPA made a crucial error in reapproving dicamba, finding the agency did not post it for public notice and comment as required by law. U.S. District Judge David Burry wrote in a 47-page ruling that it was a very serious violation if the EPA had done a full analysis, probably would not have made the same decision. Barry wrote that the EPA did not allow many people who are deeply affected by the weed killer, including especially farmers, conservation groups, and more, to comment. Uh, the lawsuit uh, originally was filed by farmer and conservation tr- uh, uh, groups. Time and time again, the evidence shown is that dicamba cannot be used without causing massive and unprecedented harm uh, to farms, as well as endangering plants and pollinators. All right, so we see all this. It is done. Now, what that means for you, the the applicator, whether you're in turf, sport, sports turf, or lawn care, um, it doesn't really matter. Here's the thing, is that dicamba that comes in our three-way formulations is going to be such a low use rate. I don't think they're going to come pull that off uh, out, out of out of bottles anytime soon, right? So there's no reason also, to man. build a barbed wire fence around your your property and hang up signs that say, you know, uh, come and get it, motherfucker, or I'll you know I'll smoke <laughs> you, or you know you you don't have to go that far. We're not we're not Ruby there. Ridge turf. It's not happening. Yeah, everybody, here's, calm here's the down. Other thing. We're going to be okay. Here's the other thing, Matt. Typically. Broadleaf herbicide is used mostly in spring and fall. And provided people are intelligent about their timing, usage of dicamba-based products should not cause a problem because spring and fall are the times of the year when the susceptible broadleaf crops are less susceptible. I mean, because the issue with doing dicamba-tolerant crops was that imagine having Extendamax being applied upwind of a field that has a dicamba-intolerant crop and that crop is at a critical growth stage because it is not only about the volatility, I'm thinking it's more about straight spray drift. Okay? Straight up spray drift because unfortunately, here's what I've seen in commercial production. And what I've seen in commercial production is can you all imagine the these high boom rigs going through a field and they're applying about 10 to 15 gallons per acre at 25 and, miles an hour okay yeah. and and the other and the other issue is that of course here's what i've noticed about applicators in general they think their dick is bigger the lower the spray volume they use okay oh. they think their dick is bigger <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, there might be some truth to that there, right? Just kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so I have a micro penis because I prefer to apply at a hundred gallons per acre when possible. And that's what there. That's, a green guy. that's what I. <laughs> yeah, but then they actually the, named, the reason actually for Permagreen named the Magnum after Matt because he was such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is that I know quite well in. Ag production, especially on larger fields, the name of the game is how low can you go? But then the lower your spray volume, the higher your drift risk. Okay? Higher, higher the drift, drift risk. risk. I, and, you know, that tractor speed, sprayer speed, is, is not something that is talked about often, right? And no, again, no. you know, in the, the effort to cover as many acres as possible, as quick as possible, and I get all the precision spraying in the world. At some point, the physics of trying to manage a controlled droplet at 25 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour becomes a really difficult thing to do, right? At five yeah, miles mm -hmm. an hour, it's hard enough. It, uh, you, start, you start adding uh, uh, factorial complexity with, with every <laughs> mile an hour faster you go. Right. I mean, calibration is a function of speed and pressure, right? Deposition of that droplet is a completely different thing altogether, right? So I, right. I think that's going to be, uh, uh, um, yeah. And, and so has and see, always will be a, a major factor. This, you know, I could have seen this coming. And I can also see where there are also two 4D tolerant crops as well and you know what matt i think the registrations for these 24d products that are labeled for application to 24d tolerant crops they are going to go the way of dicamba as well because guys i don't care what it is be it dicamba or 24d if that drifts onto a susceptible broadleaf crop or orchard crop, guess what? It's going to damage that crop and cause yield loss in that field no matter what. I don't care the chemistry. So I could have told anybody that, are we sure we want to be putting out these dicamba and 24d tolerant crops are we sure we want to do that i already had misgivings about the glyphosate tolerant crops as is but uh you know it's but you know dicamba yeah but dicamba and 24d that's yet another level of uh i guess phyto potential phytotoxicity to susceptible crops so Man, why am I not surprised? And why am I not surprised at the difficulties and complexities of keeping such an application on target during summer weed control season? I mean, yeah, so, and you know, I, even <laughs> if you if you go back thirty or forty episodes, you'll hear us talk about like, oh yeah, so they they uh, expanded the label for dicamba. Surely, nothing bad is going to happen there. 
<laughs> anyone has messed around with Banvolt long enough, you know, you you've you've curled something that you didn't intend to. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. mean, hell, forsythias are probably the most sensitive thing in the entire world to any uh, phenoxy herbicide. And, uh, and boy, Lord have mercy. I mean, you get you get within visual sight range of a forsythia and you even have Banville in your tank and you can watch it start to curl and recoil away from you as you drive past. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, it's one of those things. So I'm not I'm not shocked that this has happened. I'm not shocked that they, they said, you know what, we're done. I mean, uh, to, to be honest, this can't is, do this. You, yeah, you can't you do this. Yeah, because you could have predicted it I, without uh, you didn't even have to flip a coin on it. Yeah, because Nat, in another time, guess who used to use tons of Banville? Oh, yeah, you and me both. You and me both. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I used if to you, do it. If you've sprayed then... centipede and St. Augustine, you've had to reach for Banville more than once or twice because uh, you just you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. Well, back then, you know, working in the early 1990s, Matt, I Shit, didn't have any good late 2000s. No, I didn't have any good choices. And so when I had to deal with recently sprigged St. Augustine that had broadleaf weeds. I didn't have a lot of good choices because in the 1990s, no such thing as Celsius, right? Mm-hmm. And no mm-hmm. such thing as MSM labeled for turf grass, at least not here in mm-hmm. Hawaii. So I didn't have a choice. But at that time, I knew what I was fooling with because I saw Anvil on the farm. So I knew how powerful that stuff was. And so I was the one that measured carefully and picked the times and days when I would even make that application rather carefully. And here's an interesting one for you, Matt. I would never want to do Banville before heavy rain. Never. No. That's not one of the ones you're like, hey, it's going to rain this afternoon. Let's hurry up and get out as much Banville as possible to let it get watered in. Uh, right, anyway, uh, we need to check out this week's but boy in our in our side chat. We just we've got we've got a lot of creativity going on right now. And I think it might pertain <laughs> to this. It may not. I have no idea what our Donos turf is. But let's check out this week's favorite segment. Always a show favorite Donos turf. I still want to know what was talked about on Reddit. Jonos turf. Did you, Demain, did you, did you read into figure out where, where that dude was coming from on Reddit? I did not. I did not. I, I will have to dive into that. Jonos turf. Joe does know turf, and ladies and gentlemen, tonight, because we've been away for a few weeks, it is a special double feature of Joe knows turf because <laughs> oh uh, these things are connected, and I just can't make this shit up. I just can't make it up. All right, so we are going to start here. If you haven't uh, listened, viewed, or experienced the show uh, prior to this, Jono's Turf is a segment in which uh, we take uh, some clips from YouTube, some cut-ups from social media, and are asked to uh, give our thoughts and opinions along with any type of supporting scientific evidence that we can. Uh, Dr. Travis Shaddix has taken this to the extreme and done a much better job with it. We have more fun than he does. And I say that lovingly because, uh, you know, it, it's really hard to get uh, Dr. Shaddix to say fuck. You can say it pretty easily. 
Um, <laughs> but he'll say it. Sure, he'll there's a price. Asking to. Sure, there's yeah, a price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably twenty dollars. The swear jar goes the other way too. Um, you can pay people to swear. All right. So in this week's uh, segment, should. we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, some some folks that we've talked about quite a bit in the uh, nearly three years that we've done these shows, um, and. Uh, some interesting information that's shared here by our friends at my soil here on a recent podcast with uh, our acquaintance uh, in film master extraordinaire, uh, Alan Hain. So let's go ahead and roll that. Uh, let's roll the first one here. Jay pink. It's not like Northern Washington um, can be for sure. And then on the potassium side, um, uh, I'm a big proponent of potassium. I've just seen such dramatic changes in potassium, and it's been a very underestimated nutrient for a long time, Um, not just in turf, but um, in agriculture as well. And um, that's one of the areas where our technology really shines on, you know, not only is it available, but can that soil release it to match the demands that 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 plant has on that soil? And that's really, you know, where the resins um, really shine in our test. And um, if you think about, you know, traditional testing, um, they take a soil into the lab, they dry it, they grind it. And what happens is when they dry it and they grind the soil, especially with clays, they um, dry and it opens up those clay layers. And then they do a chemical, they add a chemical. And what that does is it starts to pull nutrient out of those layers that will never be available to the plant. So you're over measuring or overestimating that. Acetic acid, which certainly root exudates have no measurable amounts of acetic or citric or oxalic or never. I died. All right. Shut up, Matt. (laughs) actual availability of nutrients to the plant when we when we change the chemical and physical characteristic of a soil so um, just to kind of tie in the deficiencies and what we see and what you might not see on another test and why we might wreck uh, a specific nutrient or ratio of nutrients that another test might i think we have some um, very big advantages in our in our methodology and it's universal across all soil types so from florida to to washington state what? it doesn't matter you know our test is going to account for your soils ph the organic matter level cec what? all of those components yikes go back for like 10 <laughs> seconds and i want you to watch uh matt his partner on the left here i don't know what's going on with his head here if he's just having a neck spasm if he's shaking his head no or if he's trying to signal in morse code that he's been kidnapped and needs help state it doesn't matter you know our test is going to account for your soils ph the organic matter level cec all of those component components and combine that measurement into one um one result and which makes it very dynamic and it also makes it very easy to you know relate to our customers so they they can make um i have a friend dave that already he can poo poo the idea of even their pH measurement being accurate. I have a friend named Dave. Uh huh. You know, well, he... I, that, that, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And he literally did close to a accredited lab standard test of soil. And the pH measurement that he got from my soil 
was, I believe, half a point different from the accepted pH test procedure. And, look, and let me give let me give a little bit more context here, right? So we have we have a tremendous community of of people that, that listen to us. No one listens to us. The ones that do are psychopathic or uh, uh, crazy, or have extreme obsessive compulsive disorder, or you know some <laughs> other you know neuro neuro spicy something going on on their inside. Don't we all, right? Uh, and we and so anyway. As they as they have come into our community, a lot of these people like to do uh, reinforcement testing, right? To either uh, co-sign or uh, uh, come up with a counter argument to some of the bullshit that they hear or see or have been uh, preached to or whatever the case may be. And a lot of them have been related to the MySoil test versus uh, using uh, other more traditional methodologies that do not include the ion exchange resin test. And it is... Uh, a, with with a high degree of of repeatability, we have seen a very consistent half a pH point off on pH measurements, and that that is not one person that has done it. It is multiple people in our community that have pulled multiple tests, and every one of them have been off 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 in wildly oh, different directions. And, uh, and so it, it exactly pH is logarithmic, right? So that, that is a huge margin, margin of error. That's, that is not good. That is no good. That is not where you want to be. So just, I just want to make that point there that when we, when we talk about this, it's not just something that we're saying that, oh, you know, we're citing someone else's data. It's like, no, this is actually people in our community that have repeated this test tens and tens and twenties of time. Uh, and and we all get to watch and, and kind of have a chuckle about it and say, wow, that is actually amazing. And I think now they specifically claim that their pH test is in a plus or minus half a point degree of accuracy, if I recall correctly. What? They might have pulled that. They, but I, th I think that half is a point, Matt? in the literature, yeah. Half a point. And you yes. know what, Matt? At that point, if a pH test is a half a point in deviation, then that pH test entirely is trash. It's garbage because you just said it. It's logarithmic, and as a logarithmic test, you are off or wrong by 50 times if you are half a point off. So, And furthermore, here's the problem of having a pH test that's that off. Matt, can you... And Ryan, can you imagine what would happen if somebody that does not need lime, for example, proceeds to yeah. start throwing down a half a ton of lime per thousand square foot because his pH test told him that, hey, your soil is acid, when in fact, this established credible test tells you no, you have a pH of 6.5. You don't need to put lime. You shouldn't put lime. Don't. I mean, what are the ramifications of that? Somebody that doesn't need lime then goes to throw down a half a ton of lime per acre. Uh, so I think the point here, okay, I think we've kind of lobbed our criticisms out there and concerns if you will, mm -hmm. the, the, the cause for concern here with these tests is people will start undoubtedly pushing them, uh, through affiliate marketing and other things is that, um, you know, the, 
the literature that's out there right now, and there's a new uh, meta literature paper that's come out in 23 that kind of talks a little bit about this at greater length. Um, in turf grass, right, we are making educated guesses at best. And this is, this is across mm-hmm. also a test too, but more so to the point with this ion resin because it's proprietary, right? They've basically said, hey, this is our stuff. We know what it is. We'll set the scales. We'll set, you know, uh, the correlation data and, you know, the rest of you be damned. Just trust us, right? And, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I'm okay with trust, but verify. And so in that situation, you know, we've got a test that may not elicit the most accurate results. Okay. We've, we've asserted that and we've seen that. Okay. The other part too here is that the, the phosphorus thing, you know, or excuse me, potassium, potassium, yeah. uh, with mm-hmm. Chris really amps himself up and says hey you know you're not going to get all the potassium you need this that and the other thing it's true potassium is a very mobile element right especially in more coarsely textured soils it's going to move through and leach very easily okay that being said we have reams and reams of uh scientific data that support that you know it's very hard if not impossible to induce potassium deficiency in turf so how much effort and emphasis should we place on it? And that brings me to part two. Okay. Here comes mm. part two from somebody who is a dear friend. So much so <laughs> that we felt compelled, driven to put his face on a t-shirt to celebrate our show <laughs> and what he's given back to us <laughs> in the community. <laughs> Travis. Love you, Travis. Budget wants. Uh, we do too. All right. Uh, go ahead and play this. We're going to pick this up halfway through his new video here. Uh, basically, this is uh, the you're doing too much for to fertilize your lawn, a case against milorganite and soil tests for grass. All right. So uh, Travis staunch advocate to not soil test your lawn and to, um, you know, he I think before he was applying like triple 13 or something that was very basic, uh-huh. which is fine. One, one, nothing one. wrong with, nothing yep. wrong with one, one, one. Mm-hmm. But if you do it over and over and over and over again, you might have some problems. All right. Let's pick it up here about halfway through this video from Trav. Still not the most important reason why I've moved away from biosolids. As the years have gone by and I become more and more educated in lawn care, I start to read. I thought he was against education. My... That's number one. I thought Let's he was a, going. I thought he was a oh. teacher. I thought he was He's a teacher. So how can he be against education, Matt? That's contradictory. <laughs> and I become more and more educated in lawn care. I start to rethink some Time's of up, my it's practices. Over. In particular, the use of phosphorus. Getting a soil test done every year to drive my fertilizer decisions has just never been a good enough explanation for me. I've always held true to the eye tests. If your lawn looks like it needs to be fed, then feed it. If it looks full and healthy, then leave it alone. Trust me. I've heard over and over again how irresponsible I'm being with that advice, especially from the staunch soil test believers. But as it turns out, maybe we've all had it wrong in one way or another. New lawn care channels are popping up on YouTube all the time. But it wasn't until I started watching Dr. Travis Shaddix over at Uh Turfgrass Epistemology that this Uh all made sense to me. Oh shit. I mean, a pissed off emoji. Here's what's going to happen. Watch Travis twist something and good old Travis. No, 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 no. Just, just, just wait. would lose his mind. I just want you to, I just want you to wait. (laughs) Be ready for 
the knee pads and all the throw pillows for the couch to be laid on the floor so that he could <laughs> I hope I've paid over it experienced before with the throw pillows on the floor in front of the couch. It's a, it's a great thing. It's a, it's a great sign that things are going to turn out well for you. Even <laughs> All the time. But it wasn't until I started watching Dr. Travis Shaddix over at Turfgrass Epistemology that this all made more sense to me. He provided real evidence that finally got me rethinking my approach and practices to phosphorus. Now, I'm going to keep my comments on him short so as not to misquote him or put words into his mouth. As he explained things, research indicates that soil test numbers don't always provide a reliable means to dictate the nutrients your grass needs from fertilizer. In other words, those soil test numbers don't mean much. Most of the time, what your turf grass really needs is nitrogen, and that's it. Only when you see a problem in your lawn, the key point being C, should you consider other nutrients to fix it. At which point, perhaps there's an issue with your phosphorus and or potassium levels, and a soil test might help guide you. After learning all this, now I have no reason to regularly apply fertilizers with high potassium and phosphorus levels like a triple 10 or 13, much less had a biosolid on top of that. So this season, I'll be looking into more nitrogen-rich fertilizers with the other two numbers sitting at zero. Even further, I have no reason to ever perform a soil test on my lawn Whoa. to dictate my fertilizer decisions, unless, wow. of course, I see well, something wrong. Con so considering then, how much triple 13 and biosolids he's applied, he's probably right. He probably never has to test anything again because he'll never be, at least never be deficient in phosphorus in his life. Yeah, return your clippings and, yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> however, so, uh, go however go here, here's where Travis is going to fuck up, is... If his soil is acidic already, and he applies a lot of ammonium sulfate without also keeping his pH in range, he's then going to have a problem that he's going to need to soil test for to figure out. Because sure. do you know what happens when you apply AMS to highly acidic soils? It don't work. It does opposite of what people want it to do if you apply AMS to an acidic soil. So this is yet another instance of not, something that is lie. missing yeah, missing nuance. And I am, uh, the only I'm a little I'm a little upset that anything we said of the sort to Travis was immediately dismissed as you guys are fucking buffoons. It's all an act. I'm just just trying to have fun, and you're trying to shit on my parade. And now, all of a sudden, he he has been anointed in in, in mm -hmm. to become a, a an, an ordained minister of sorts. I'm I'm a little Listen, yeah. I'm a little, I'm jealous, Travis. We could jealous, sit, We could we could sit here and pontificate on all the reasons why. This makes no fucking sense whatsoever. That as Aldo yeah. pointed out here, that 
2022 or 23, Travis was like, I don't care. And now, 2024, I care. Okay? Uh, <laughs> I think it's... I, 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 listen, I, I th- listen, I think it's good. It is good. It, it is. It is good. And listen, I think if, the, if this is the most important I just feel like here. a failure. You, <laughs> listen, you have communication and commitment issues. It's clear. I mean, Travis told you so. <laughs> this is true. But if our very good friend, Dr. Shaddix, can get through to Travis, there is hope for his style and his level of extension to other people. And I just wanted to celebrate this as a Jonas Turf win. That That's a return. Probably the most, probably this the is a, most this is a return. stubborn mf out there. And Travis, I see you. I hear you. I know you feel seen. I'm glad you are. We put you on a t-shirt. I hope you wear your t-shirt on a video this year. Please oh, do. Oh, yeah, we sent him one. It's a, it's, I know, yeah, we sent him one to his house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I highly encourage you to do that because uh, you raised a bunch of money for you know kids at St. Jude. So that's, that's another and thing. Thank two you years in a row, Trav. Seriously. Two years in a Trav. But if we was able to get through to Trav, think about the impact that Dr. Shaddix can have on so many more people. Trav's one of the most stubborn Fair SOBs point. out there. This is a win. I'm, I'm seriously. Today's win is brought to you by Dr. Shaddix. Curing the incurable. <laughs> I mean, he just he just had colon cancer cured. As a matter of fact, that was that was incredible. I thought that stick up his ass would never would never go away. Um, <laughs> all right, let's check out this week's returns. <laughs> it just slid right out, didn't it? it probably came out easier than it got in there. <laughs> <laughs> We we are back. I see that's that's my jealousy talking there, uh, Travis. I'm, I'm just I'm jealous. I just want to make that clear. You know, I'm not I'm not mad at you. I'm I'm jealous. That's all. That's all. Uh, EPA herbicide strategy deadline pushed. Uh, this this is not a return. I just put it in here to be to be funny. Um, uh, out of uh, Jeff City, Missouri, like a college professor giving a student extra time to finish an important term paper, this week a federal district court granted EPA an extension to complete the agency's forthcoming herbicide strategy. Uh, the Northern District of California, San Francisco Division, is uh, approved a three-month extension on the EPA's plan uh, attempting to bring herbicide registration in compliance with the Endangered Species Act. We've, we've talked about this before, and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And it freaks me out that San Francisco has anything to do with this. I mean, you can't even keep a fucking Walgreens from having to, to board up uh, a deodorant and uh, a Whole Foods can't make it. Then, for God's sake, I want them nothing to do with agriculture at all. Uh, in an effort to protect endangered species, do you think San Francisco is capable of protecting endangered species? I, I just don't. They I can't even keep habitat. a damn store open, okay? I know, they can't even I know. keep a damn store so it's like, what uh, are they going to do? And again, this is my do breed same question. Great I stock traders, shout out to Nancy Pelosi. Uh, by the way, you can follow <laughs> her trade. There is an ETF that you can literally buy into that that trades on on uh, her trades, and uh, it's, a, it's a great returns this year. As a matter of fact, uh, the EPA. Here's my question, require- man. Uh huh. Yeah. Here's my question again. The people proposing these mandates, what the fuck do they actually eat? Well, let's see. I want to know. What do, what do uh, they actually they, eat? Because, because I'm guessing that they think that by burdening farmers, and by the way, a lot of our food 
comes from California. Like mm. it or not, a lot of our food mm -hmm. comes from California. And the reason why a lot of our food comes from California is because for all intents and purposes, most of California is a desert. Okay? However, you're wondering now, why the hell would we want to have food production in a desert? I'll tell you why. It is because in a desert, the grower has absolute control over water. You actually do not want to grow specialty agricultural crops, such as food crops, in a place where you don't have control over water. Because if you don't have control over water, close to harvest, you can have a storm or a series of storms that literally will cause your crops to rot and become unsaleable, and you lose millions of dollars just because it rained that week. The uh, I'll go into a little <laughs> more detail here. The EPA plan will require agricultural herbicide users, namely farmers, to implement mitigation measures such as vegetative filter strips, grass waterways, and field borders. Herbicide users would need to achieve a minimum number of efficacy points, with the EPA assigning one to three points to each option in its menu of mitigation measures. The number of points required yes. would vary based on the herbicide and the field location. And I just, I'm going to make this clear right here. I, I don't think there's anything bad about implementing uh filter strips or grass waterways and field borders i think all of that is good right and i think you know one of demay's phrases that pays is uh the, the velocity of change right velocity of implementation and that's where where you know problems can arise but hey look the ruling has another three months of extension here and so you know we'll see we'll see how it shakes out um I, again what does the scoring system look like are there what you know is i don't know I think I think the, I've seen a lot of stories written about it, but I haven't seen a lot of the actual uh, court writings of it and the and the the exact written proposal and the exact grading system. Uh, and so that that Matt, part kind of has me uh, nervous. OK, you know what's making me nervous, Matt? The idea that something besides the actual crop is within proximity of the field. That makes me extremely nervous because I've had to deal with production of a specialty crop. And you know what the last thing I want near the production field, Matt? Last thing I want near the production field is any kind of foreign vegetation. I don't want it. Yep. Um, in the uh, the next one here, uh, of, of course, man, you know, hey, uh, this is I love I love reading. This is out of the LAist. Uh, cities can ban turf grass. Turf grass is going to be banned, but PFAS, yeah, we're going to keep that one going. Uh, Gavin Newsom last week passed on a chance uh, to limit the use of so-called forever chemicals in legions of plastic products when he vetoed a bill that would abandon them in synthetic lawns. His veto of an environmental bill that overwhelming. Overwhelmingly passed, the legislator underscores California's convoluted guidance on the plastic turf some homeowner schools and businesses use in place of grass in a state accustomed to drought. <laughs> and by the way, uh, when they had all that rain the other day, uh, what what kind of infrastructure improvements have they made to be able to retain some of that water uh, to be able Zero. to use it on their own? Oh, Zero, yeah. Matt. Whoops. Zero. So and, we'll, we'll and, ban and grass, know? but interesting and they'll they'll pay money to make the switch over to uh to uh, uh, uh battery powered equipment but 
for Christ's sake, we are not going to do anything with potential rainfall that may happen except send it right back into the fucking ocean, man. Get that off our land. We are not equipped to handle that. Get it the fuck out. Okay, here's here's the thing about the California waterway situation. Here is the insanity. Did you know that the California waterways are literally under a mandate such that most of the water is required to be let downstream. I mean, the rules or the laws are similar to the bullshit that I deal with here in Hawaii. Because, you know, every time I have one of those one week worth of rains, you know what I'm always thinking? Why the hell can't we put all of this damn water in a dam? Pun intended, and one, use that to generate hydroelectric power, and two, store that for when we actually need water in this state. Why can't we do that? No, we cannot do that because the law is we must preserve natural stream flow. Anything else can go get fucked. It's all about (laughs) preserving natural stream flow. I mean, never mind the people that need water. Never mind people that need electricity. No, we need to preserve the habitat of this obscure little aquatic organism that doesn't mean shit to anybody. <laughs> I, and I'm going to read this comment here. It says, emerging research is making it clear that artificial turf poses an environmental threat due to its lack of recyclability and presence of toxins such as lead and PFAS. <laughs> Um, local governments will again be able to regulate artificial turf in a way to both protect <laughs> our environment in the face of drought and climate change, but also by preventing further contribution to our recycling challenges and toxic runoff. It's hilarious because it's like, you know, hey, look, boys, we are going to do a great job of regulating the holy shit out of real grass. That That is mm-hmm. a real solution. Artificial turf, we need, we need some more time to figure this out, but we do know that real grass is a big enough contributor to, to, to problems in our state that we need to go ahead and regulate the holy shit out of this. We'll get to that, but this takes priority. Fuck well, you, yeah. man. Fuck you. Uh, there's, there's so much going on, and there's stuff in this, not this particular case in California, but as a, uh, at a national level. Right, that I'll I'll try and keep it broad, okay, in the sense that uh, there are people with the ability to um, provide research funding and industry funding and other things that are sitting on their hands on this right now because they don't view uh, synthetic turf as some sort of existential threat to turf grass. Even though it's a crop and it's maintained by you know people that have jobs, everything like that, I think the one other thing too that's interesting, and there is definitely a movement I see within the industry right now and within external forces, right? So governments, elected officials, this, that, and the other thing, uh, grassroots support, you know, for for uh, natural and things like that. What I mean to say there is that. I think that the synthetic turf manufacturers, the folks that are in that side of the industry are much more uh, connected and aligned with their efforts to 
stall things like this or um, placate and do other things, right, to obfuscate the issues that are at hand and that we're becoming aware mm-hmm. of, okay? So the problem is, is that natural grass isn't, okay? There is no, you know, consortium. You have Turf Grass Producers International, which is the side growers. You have these larger trade organizations like golf course superintendents, Time's sports managers, so on and so forth. But there is no concerted effort amongst them uh, collectively or respectively to really push for it. There's a lot of bitching and complaining. Hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers' blood is ACL, all this other, you know, his Achilles, whatever, all this other stuff. But nobody is sitting there carrying the water and saying, hey, yes, you need to ban this stuff, but also you need to understand what the ramifications are of keeping turf and how we can manage it if we have more research dollars to come up with something that, you know, is more drought tolerant, right? Or doesn't require as much water or, you know, doesn't require as many uh, pesticides in order to be able to, to manage it correctly, whatever the case might be. Again, it's very similar to the argument that we had at the very top of the show is that we're taking the easy route, right? And from a sustainability p- point of view, right, we're taking the shittier route by far mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. by choosing synthetic turf in a lot of these cases, okay, without leaning into and saying, how can we help? natural grass succeed in these areas right and what are the benefits of doing so and not only that but what other um you know other effects can we have right so anyway there's a lot more i, I want to say on that but i can't i i, I can't. know and i'll I, i'm i'm gonna end it on this and we get we gotta we gotta we, we do have to wrap this show up but the the one thing i'm gonna make a point of is that it's absolutely fucking insane that uh, uh, growing grass has to become a fight against the government, right? And that the people who are better at fighting and y- utilizing the government to your advantage are the people that are not growing grass but are installing plastic uh, to take the place of grass. It just sounds fucking ridiculous from a thirty thousand foot view. Um, and I, I don't, I do not understand, like. Uh, to me it's the most insane statement of it is the fact that we have to come together and defend real grass as a viable option does that that sound nuts like no that sounds that sounds sounds insane that sounds insane matt and you know what that reminds me are we gonna start have implanting fucking uh uh, babies in in utero into fucking plastic robots to to take over delivery of them because it's it's gonna save x number of lives to do that are we just are we gonna are we gonna give up on that i i don't know it just it sounds so dystopian to me you know know, it is no it is dystopian because recently late one night I had a chance to watch the Dr. Seuss classic, The Lorax. I thought, and I thought Dr. Seuss got banned. No, but you know what was horrifying to me about that entire movie? Their entire town had artificial turf and fake trees. Okay? Their whole town, artificial turf and fake freaking trees. And they ran out of fake trees. Yeah, fake trees, Ryan. And on top of that, the asshole who mandated that the town be fake grass and fake trees, his last scam, or the one that got him axed, was he then sold his town bottled air. (laughs) 
Okay. Like, auto, uh, what, what is that? That's uh, like uh, space balls, right? <laughs> yeah, but like it's like space balls, but blow. Yeah, but okay, you cover entire towns with artificial turf. I'm trying to think now. What is that going to do to ambient temperature in that town? And I'm keeping this in the context of, isn't this the same state that is telling people you have to use less electricity? I mean, please make it make sense, okay? First of all, they're telling people you got to get rid of your gas and diesel engine vehicles. Number one, got to get rid of your gas and, you know, you got to get rid of your, also your gas-powered turf equipment. That got to go too. And then finally, on top of that, you got to get rid of your natural grass. Therefore, the air temperature in your t- neighborhoods are, is going to go up. But we also don't have enough electricity so that you can run climate control. So, therefore, you all get to fucking cook to death and die in your own house. I mean, please Sounds- make it make sense, Matt. Uh, no, I think I think that's a perfect way to end this is that you're all going to cook to death and die in your house. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can check this out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Google, whatever. I don't know. I just uh, uh, the last thing I want to say to us, don't smoke crack. Y'all have a good one. We'll see y'all on Thursday. Bye. <laughs>